This is a production of NTEU Chapter 49, representing most IRS employees in the state of Indiana. My name is Larry Lannon. I'm a volunteer with Chapter 49 and a retiree. I'd like to welcome you all to our weekly podcast. We try very hard to make it weekly. We don't make it every week, but we like to think we make it most weeks. It's the Chapter 49 podcast. And once again, I welcome in our chapter president for Chapter 49, Duncan Giles. Welcome again, Duncan. Thank you, Larry. Good to be here with you. And uh, it's another week of... before we start in on on uh, the issues of the day, uh, I, I really have to to give a shout out to uh, our national president Tony Reardon. Not only has he been a guest on our our uh, podcast twice now since we started uh, several months ago, but he's encouraged members of his own staff. We've had the executive vice president Jim Bailey. We've had the head of um, the legislative department. We've had the head of uh, negotiations uh, for the National Union. And we've had other guests, such as our uh, district national vice president, Susan Wright, who's, of course, from Indiana. But uh, I, I really uh, um, appreciate the fact that, you know, we've kind of gone out on a limb to, to do this podcast, and he's been very supportive of that. So I, I, I've got to tip my hat to him and thank him for his support. Yeah, he... He really is. What you hear is what you get. A great down-to-earth guy who is very passionate, as are all the folks that we've had on about uh, federal employees and their issues. So he's just, uh, like I say, what you see is what you get. And from my viewpoint, having known this man for a very long time, uh, back when both of us had much darker hair, um, he really is a, uh, a great guy. Well, not only darker, in my case, more of it, but that's another matter. <laughs> I, I remember. Oh, by the way, I do want yeah, to say that I am very glad that you've made it through your COVID issue and are uh, are good to go now. And just, you know, it can hit anybody because I know you're as careful as anybody about that kind of thing. Yeah, you know, this kind of goes back to a couple of things. Now, I didn't want to talk about this last week because we had Tony Reardon on, but uh, you... Uh, Early in our podcast series, told a story of a lady in Evansville who felt that she had been as careful as she could be and still contracted it. And I can say the exact same thing. Now, you know, my wife, Jane, if she's anything, she's honest. (laughs) That would be true. And, uh, you know, so I sat down with her and I said, I just want to be on. Give me an honest answer. You're around me most of the time. You know where I go, how I go about doing things. Was I careless? Was there something I did to put myself in risk? And she couldn't think of anything. So we everybody just has to be super extra extra careful. Um, I was fortunate at my age and in my health condition. I'm in pretty good health, but I have some chronic health conditions that happen when you get in your late 60s. And I was worried when I tested positive you know what's going to happen next and uh, you worry am i going to make it am i going to have long-term health issues i still don't know the answer to that question but i do know that i made as far as i can tell at this point a full recovery and i, ha- I have to give a a shout out to my uh, primary care physician she and i were emailing each other every other day at her suggestion and she was very supportive telling me that most people have um have have very mild types of, of, of symptoms, and that was the case with me. I tried to take the best care of myself I could under the circumstances. So um, 
just be careful. I mean, I'm I'm going to be even more careful than I was before as I as I move around uh, at this point because Duncan and and let's face it, not only is Indiana but the entire nation is on fire. Uh, right. We, it the, the the rates of of um, uh, of people being inf- infected with this and pa- testing positive. It's off the charts, and I worry very much about the hospitals being overloaded, and uh, that's happening now in their parts of Indiana that are just beginning to see this. You know, people complain about economic shutdowns and so forth. I get that. It's it's painful, but there are there are no good choices when you're involved in a, in a pandemic like this. So uh, I guess we all just have to... First of all, uh, take personal responsibility because everything I'm hearing now, including where I live in Fishers, Indiana, and the entire state, is that most of the uh, transmissions are happening in personal residences and homes, at uh, weddings, funerals, birthday parties, that kind of thing. So we all just have to take personal responsibility uh, to take care, not just of ourselves, but uh, the people who are close to us. And I'll end my speech there, but thank you for your thoughts. I'm, I'm, I'm ever thankful uh, I, I get up every morning now, and I'm thankful for every day that I have after going through this. And that's the way you have to look at it. And we're all glad that um, y- while you had it, it was not a su- super severe case, although it didn't feel good at the time for you, I know. Well, it knocked you down, uh, but it's, uh, it could have been much worse, yes. Exactly, yeah. exactly, that you're, that you're in good shape now. So one thing we talked about with Tony Reardon a week ago uh, was when, when the timing was a little bad. We thought we would have a, a, a good idea who won the presidential election. We we still didn't have the final answer, although we we had a suspicion where it was going to go. So we had to be a little careful. But but President Reardon did talk about um, what he thought a Joe Biden administration would be like, and he gave us what uh, he thought it would be. And it was the next day that the news organizations. Uh, basically called the election and, and, and said that uh, that Joe Biden was the winner. And I, I'm going to say something about that. People say, uh, well, you know, the news media doesn't get to decide the election. When in a technical sense, that's true. But the Associated Press and all the other news organizations that have two different sets of bean counters, that's what I call them, just really high-level statistical experts who know how to run the numbers. They don't call an election in a state until they have enough data to see that one uh, candidate or the other has a lead and that the candidate that is uh, number two uh, could not possibly overcome the deficit uh, at that point. So it's it's very, yeah, true that they don't have the, te- it, you, technically the presidential election is not done until the electors, come, you know, vote, uh, they, they, uh, send in their votes and the votes are tallied in Congress. You know, I think it's in December or January. So that is the official election. It's not even on election day. It's actually that electoral college vote that is the technical election of the president. But we normally know who the winner is way ahead of them. So with all that in mind, Duncan, uh, we are about to see a new presidential administration uh, we will see um, the House of Representatives in the control of one party and the Senate very split, very close, no matter how the election uh, runoff elections uh, end up going in Georgia. So tell me, um, just based on what you heard uh, President Reardon say a week ago, what you have read, discussions you've had with people within NTEU, uh, 
Where do, you, where do you think we're going as we get into the year of 2021 as far as federal employees are concerned? I certainly think that we're going to be going in a better direction, even with a very possible split Congress. Um, President-elect Biden comes from a very strong union background, uh, as does uh, Vice President-elect Harris. So I, I really think that it's going to end up being better for federal employees. And one of the key things that I think will be happening and, you know, we know the president proposes and then Congress does what they're going to do. But I truly think that this administration realizes that the federal workforce has been decimated. We just don't have enough people to do the jobs that we need to do for the American people. And I think they realize that and are going to do everything they can to beef up uh, those places where we need more employees. And the IRS would certainly be one of those. I think we're going to be looking at better pay raises. I think we're going to be looking at um, more pro-employee actions uh, proposed by this administration, including taking down very early in their administration some of the executive orders that have been uh, very harmful or potentially very harmful to federal employees, bargaining unit and non-bargaining unit. You know, I think there are two bodies that most federal employees don't really understand fully, and they shouldn't have to, because it's kind of into the weeds. One is the Federal Labor Relations Authority, which is basically the labor board for the federal government, and the Federal Services Impasse Board, which settles disputes between unions and management and contract negotiations. Uh, though there are a lot of you know, moving parts of the federal system. Those are two very key bodies and and uh, should we expect changes there that they, they have not been federal employee friendly for several years that's that's putting it uh mildly um yeah what we want um as a union and i say this as a federal employee is you know if there is something decided by an arbitrator or a fact finder was it based on previous case law if it was it should stand uh, FLRA and the impasse panel should not be, you know, the pendulum should not be swinging wildly over to a side where there's no case law, there's no legal basis for their decisions. And unfortunately, we've seen several of those where that has been the case. So we're hoping to get uh, something more traditional. And we believe that President Biden's, um, President-elect Biden's appointees uh, will view the cases in that way. Yeah, and one key part of this is that during the next administration, NTEU will be negotiating a new con national contract uh, with IRS. So we certainly expect that to go more smoothly uh, than had the election go the other way, just simply by the approach of the two presidential administrations. Would you agree with that? One can only hope. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and, and logic says that it should go uh, smoother and easier. The president-elect has said that he wants to see uh, more interaction between management and employees. So we're definitely hoping that um, that, that is the case. NTU, for, for it, just speaking on it as a federal employee union, we don't want to manage. We're not the managers. We're not the co-managers. 
we want to make sure that management does its job fairly and correctly. And that's where our agreements strive to go, as well as making sure that employees get the benefits that they should have for doing the hard work that they put in. And uh, you have uh, served on negotiating teams for national uh, agreements, so you know that you know the approach of uh, any presidential administration does have an impact on management's view at the table. So we're hoping for a good and fair contract. And by the way, when is the contract, uh, current uh, contract up uh, between NTEU and the IRS? Well, it was extended another six months, so we're looking to start negotiating in the spring, and the contract will remain in effect until we do have a new agreement. So it's, okay. it's basically going to be out there until we do come to some sort of agreement or an agreement is imposed upon us, which is something we don't want. But yeah, we'll, we'll start back again in the spring, and I've been told that, um, you know, I will be in D.C. who knows for how long or when we're going to do it. And that's been part of the issue, too, is you don't want to go, you know, be a part of a super spreader event. So we want to make sure it's safe. But these are the types of issues that have to be done in person. You can't really negotiate this over the phone or via Zoom. Okay, so we'll keep an eye on that. I'm sure you'll keep us up to date uh, through this this podcast and other communication uh, modes. Uh, anyway, uh, the budget situation for 20... Actually, we'll talk more about the current year. 2021, um, the next uh, budget year, uh, we're looking at what kind of pay raise may be uh, coming up in the next budget uh, cycle. The Senate has spoken on that, and it's not good news. Tell us where that stands. Yeah, the Senate has come up with uh, the stance that federal employees should not get any pay raise for uh, the 2021 year. So what we, what we have right now, the president, President Trump proposed a 1% raise. The House was silent on a raise. And the Senate has said, we don't believe there should be a raise. So once they start going to conference committee to try and figure out what sort of, and I've got to believe it's going to be an omnibus bill, which means that they're going to basically throw very many or perhaps all federal agencies together and into one big bill, uh, we're hoping that some common sense will prevail and that we will be able to get um, at least the 1% raise out of it. And I know our fine legislative staff has been talking to uh, folks on both sides of the aisle as well as the uh, White House to try and get a larger raise because we feel that the 1% is just not enough. And speaking of how a pay raise uh, may impact us next year, uh, we've uh, now known for a few weeks uh, what the health insurance rates are going to be next year, so everyone should evaluate uh, which plan you want to choose. And NTEU for its members does have some help available there. Yeah, going to the NTEU website and going to uh, the checkbook uh, can really, really help you choose what's going to be best for you. The vast majority of the time, if your doctor has, uh, your primary care physician has any sort of online presence, you can look up to see what insurances they accept, or if they don't, you can contact them. And then take a look and find out what's the best deal for you. Because you can save yourself 
literally thousands of dollars a year by checking the insurance because many of them will give the same or close to the same types of coverages with differences depending upon your circumstances and how many people are covered in the family that, you know, you just, you don't want to sit there and say, oh, I've had this insurance for years. It's great. I'm just going to keep it because it's, it's easier. You know, especially in times of small to no raises, this is a way that you can give yourself some money back and to, to make the best decision you can for you and your family to try and figure out what's the best health insurance plan for you. And that checkbook is just so, so valuable in doing that. So uh, take advantage of that for every member. If you're not a member, you can become a member and take advantage of that. Uh, there's another issue that's out there. You've talked about this a lot, and it hasn't received a lot of attention because I think of the, uh, the, the presidential election cycle. Uh, you know, you, I've, I'm the kind of person that I, I try to read a lot of, of different reporters that, that cover Capitol Hill. And I think one of the best reporters covering Congress is a man by the name of Jake Sherman. Jake Sherman works for Politico. I've read a book he wrote with another journalist about Congress, and he knows a lot about the body. And in recent days, Duncan, he sounds like you. He is talking about the fact that uh, there seems to be a disengagement on the part of the president. He seems to be rather down about losing the election, even though he publicly says he didn't lose. He probably deep down knows that he has, based on the reporting from the people covering the White House. But uh, if we don't have a budget or at least another continuing resolution by December 11th, we face a government shutdown. And, and uh, Sherman, uh, Jake Sherman, and some other reporters who regularly cover Congress are beginning to sound the alarm bells that uh, the lack of of interest by the president and, and the fact that the Congress is in kind of a strange situation in this transition period, you know, could we have a government shutdown? I would certainly hope not. What are you hearing? I'm, I'm reading the same tea leaves that you are. And, you know, I've been, like you said, I've been beating the drum on this for a while because it's just taken such a back seat. And it truly appears that inertia may rule the day. And that's that's what really, really, really scares me to death is the fact that they'll keep putting this on the back burner, not worrying about it, and then it's going to be time to get something passed. And A, it's going to be difficult to get passed, and then B, we're talking about something the president is going to have to sign. And right now, um, he is, like you alluded to, he has shown signs of not being interested in participating in this kind of thing one way or another. And so it's a huge, huge concern for me because nobody wants to have to go without a paycheck, you know, in the holidays. The other thing I do want to mention is that if you have use or lose and the government shuts down and you were planning on taking that use or lose in the last half of the year, and we've had this happen before, just, recently a couple of years ago that you could lose that leave so you if you have use or lose i would urge you urge you strongly to get uh to make sure that your manager has an email from you that shows what your plan is on what days you're planning to take off to use up that use or lose 
So you have that on the record. If you have that on the record by November the, I believe it's 22nd, then you are able to, you know, you're covered in case there is a shutdown, there is a record, you will be able to get those days credited back to you if, if there is indeed a shutdown and you lose those. So it's something to be very mindful of for those folks who are on use or lose leave. We should be paid if there is a shutdown, but we don't know how long a delay that's going to be. And I, I am so fearful for so many of our folks who go paycheck to paycheck that it just deeply, deeply concerns me, as well as the fact that needed government services for the American taxpayer and the American public won't be done because of this. And there's no reason for it. That's, that's the main thing. There's, there should be no reason for this, but it's, it's possible. It's very possible. And I'm just hoping calmer heads prevail and that we get this fixed, taken care of, and we can all move on. Well, I mean, the last shutdown was such an abject disaster and did create tremendous hardships, not just for federal employees, but for people who depend on the federal government to do basic kind of uh, acts, just a basic administration acts. So uh, we, as I said, I hope cooler heads prevail. And uh, and a lot of politicians took a hit over that last uh, that that, uh, that 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 last uh, shutdown. So let's hope it doesn't happen and cooler heads do prevail in the end. You know, we talked earlier about uh, the contract, the extension of the uh, national contract between NTEU and IRS. Uh, a big part of that contract is telework. And as, uh, you know, as we talked about the coronavirus being on fire, so talk about the status of telework right now in lieu of, of what's happening around the country, particularly uh, right here in Indiana. Yeah, when the... Um, when the service made the decision to basically put everyone possible that they could on telework. That was a very wise decision. And they said, okay, we're going to have this go through December 31st, the end of the year, because you know, at that time they were like, surely it'll be fine by then. Well, now I think everybody's come to the realization that it's not going to be fine. You know, people talk about a second wave and I don't think we ever got out of the first wave. And so we've got this, um, you know, continuation of the first wave building back up and NTU at a national level. And I know this for an absolute fact has been pushing very, very hard to the service to make sure that they don't do any decisions based on a calendar, that we need to make sure that we're safe for all employees before they go back. And, you know, we're still having, you know, places in the service centers, it is absolutely horrific the number of cases that they get, and they don't shut down the service centers. They do not shut down the PODs. They don't shut down federal buildings. They will clean the specific areas, move the people, and uh, shut down that particular area, but the business keeps going. So we need to keep everybody on telework as much as we can, as long as we can, and like I said, National NTU is committed to pushing that. And I, in my heart of hearts, I truly believe that the IRS is going to listen to that and be very mindful of the potential harm it could come to their employees and not make a knee-jerk decision based just on a calendar date of December 31st. 
So we've talked about this before, but not for a while. What's it like in the Minton Capehart Federal Building where you come into work at most every day? Um, what's it like? Is it well populated? Is it pretty much a ghost town? Just explain what you see there. It's pretty quiet. Um, <laughs> there are not a lot of people working in the building. Uh, some people will come in uh, maybe once a week to do mail, depending upon their position. Uh, different agencies are having different rules. The va- Every IRS employee that I've seen has adhered to things like wearing a mask in, um, in common areas. Some other agencies that I've seen, uh, for instance, some people come and walk around uh, on my floor during their break or lunch. I'm not sure what it is. But some of them are very haphazard in their mask wearing, and they truly appreciate a fairly large guy in suspenders stopping them and telling them to put on their damn masks. Um, it's, it's still interesting. There's still not a lot of people downtown uh, working as a whole or in the federal building in particular. Uh, the call sites have fewer people. The posts of duties are practically ghost towns, again, except for people coming in to do mail, things of that nature. And to be honest, we want to keep as few people as possible uh, in the post of duty so they can work from home. And in the service centers, I would hope that the service is letting every job that can do uh, telework do that because it's just when you get that many people in that enclosed space, you're going to have these cases crop up. I assume the taxpayer assistance centers are open, but I, I'm, I would assume they're on a limited capacity, and, and, and uh, for the most part, uh, they are uh, appointment only, as I understand it. Yeah, very limited capacity. We're really, really, really trying to make sure that everybody that can be serviced um, by the phones will be. It's only the extreme cases where people absolutely have to come in due to their circumstances that they should be coming into the uh, TAC offices. So how do you think people uh, have adapted? I mean, I, I know a lot of people have been on what we used to call FlexiPlace, now called telework uh, for many years, but it, it is still different to just not be in the office at all and have their meetings through Zoom or some other technology. So uh, just based on your discussions with people around the state, uh, how have people adapted? Is this the new normal of people uh, settled into this new normal? The majority of people have, depending upon their home circumstances. Um, you know, there are, there are a lot of people who are at this point saying, my home is not conducive to telework. I want to come back in the office. I understand I'll have to wear a mask. I understand I'll have to social distance. And the executives are able to, of each uh, particular area or division, are able to make that decision on a case-by-case basis. That comes as a surprise to some executives when I inform them of that, because apparently National IRS hasn't really done great at getting out that particular message. But an executive in WNI, LBNI, IRS, whatever it might be, in several divisions of the IRS can make those decisions to say on a case-by-case basis, okay, this person's situation is not conducive for telework. We're going to let them come in so many days a week. Um, You know, let's make sure that they are socially distanced. Let's make sure that everything is taken care of for them. So, and of course, 
cabin fever plays a part. You know, once you're basically in a lockdown situation, it's very natural and normal to say, you know, I need to get out. I need to come down to the office. I need to do some stuff just for my own sanity. And that's totally understandable as well. But you have to weigh that versus your health and the health of those around you. So it's it's all a trade-off. And then you get to situations that are happening now in Indiana where they're basically saying, especially in Marion County, where they said, okay, the school kids, we tried it for you know having them coming in. And now we're going to shut it down for a while and do homeschooling. So that creates a whole new situation and issue for uh, for parents of school-aged children at home to have to try and figure out, okay, how are we going to work this with myself, my significant other, and now the children all needing to get bandwidth to be able to uh, to do what they need to do. So there, there are a myriad of issues from teleworking, uh, but the vast majority are able to adapt to it and are working it well. Yeah, and I think the, the move toward more virtual learning is a reaction to the, 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 the unbelievable increase in positive cases in Indiana and around the country. But Indiana, I know uh, it's happening all over the state, and you mentioned uh, the Indianapolis area. Um, so, I, And I've seen it locally in my school system. More and more virtual learning is, is, is coming online because of the, the fact that uh, – and the strange thing is people are not um, – the, the data is showing uh, that the students are not getting coronavirus at school, but they're getting it in extracurricular activities and athletics and things like that. So um, we'll, we'll just wait and see what happens. But you're right. That's going to complicate things even more. And it's good to know the executives can make decisions individually for employees who are having particular stress levels. Speaking of virtual learning and learning in general – uh, we place this on our uh, Facebook page. By the way, anybody can uh, follow or like our Facebook page. You don't have to be a member. We uh, make it open to everyone. On Facebook, just search for NTEU Chapter 49 Indiana. Put the Indiana at the end when you search. And uh, we put this on recently, uh, but there's information on the NTEU National website about this too. There is a free tutoring um, um and there's some free tutoring available through the Federal Employees Assistance Program uh, for anyone making under $100,000 a year. So that free tutoring program could help some people in our uh, state of Indiana. How do people apply for that? Yeah, it's. I sent out the information last Friday. If somebody needs it to be sent out again, I am happy to do that. Um, but it's through the, uh, the FEA, FEEA website. For federal employees who are making uh, less than $100,000 a year, which would be the majority of uh, our employees here in Indiana. And it's for students who are K through 12. And I just recently, um, yesterday, got an email from somebody who saw my email, member used the service, and it was for somebody, their uh, child's eighth grade algebra. And said it was absolutely wonderful. They were able to choose a uh, verbal as opposed to text or email option. And the person was able to talk to their child one-on-one, -on -one, explain exactly what the issue was and how to deal with it. 
and the employee couldn't have been happier with this service. So I, I want to give a uh, big thanks for uh, chapter president of chapter 60 in New Jersey, my friend John Kelshaw, for forwarding that out so I could you know forward it out to our members because I think that's a great, great benefit because I don't know about the rest of you, but I remember when I was tutoring, uh, you know, my daughter, Maddie, um, you forget a lot of things or it's done differently and it can be incredibly frustrating. And to have this type of free service to help you out, especially if we're going to a more e-learning environment is just a great, great thing to have. So, like I said, I would strongly urge folks who uh, who need it to go ahead and give it a try because I think you're going to be very happy with it. Well, our time is up. Uh, anything that uh, people should look for in the next week or so? Anything sh- people should be uh, keeping an eye on uh, between now and the next time we, we put our podcast up? Uh, not, not that I can think of at the moment, but Lord only knows the way things swing anymore, uh, what could happen. It's just we just need to make sure that we are – Wearing our masks, social distancing, you know, be good to everybody, and and we'll get through this. We all will get through this. And you just heard Duncan Giles, president of NTEU Chapter 49, representing most IRS employees in the state of Indiana. My name's Larry Lannon. Uh, Again, I do communications as a volunteer for Chapter 49. I'm a retiree. And uh, we will, uh, if all goes well, be back next week with another Chapter 49 podcast. In the meantime, thank you for listening. Be safe and be kind.